I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Welcome back. I am Dale Lolly. He is Matt Williamson, and this is a special edition of The Drive here on Steelers Nation Radio and ESPN 970. The Steelers just wrapping up OTA session number seven. Another in the books. Another in the books. We'll see. They're efforting. I think that's the word that people use in radio now. It's a good one. Efforting to uh, see if we're going to get a player here. They're going to try to grab somebody coming off the field here. So we'll see uh, See if or what we get here. Uh, but we are trying. If we don't, you're tagging out, right? I am going to head into the locker room a little okay. bit myself. And, uh, Tom, line change for Tom Offerman is going to jump in here for me. So if you hear that line change, that's what's going on here. Um, Lots of balls in the air right I now. Go, you know, talk Do your to job, man. Myself. Yeah. Um, goofing off with me. But seven of these things in the books. Like, yeah. OTAs are almost over. I think there's a lot to glean from these, to be very honest with you. I mean, I mean not like, boy, this guy looks good. He's going to be a star. Or this guy's lost. He has no chance. It's just there's a lot of good work being done. You know, I mean, team activities, individual drills, these guys learning each other as well as, you know, what it's like to be a pro for the young dudes. I mean, I think these are quality sessions. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think in, in, in some cases, uh, you know, for some of the, again, you, you had a bunch of new veterans coming in, what it's like to be a Steeler. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Um, you know, it's different here. We say that. And, but I've, Enough I've, players I've talked, have been through I've here talked to years, too many right. other people who, you know, players who say it's different here. Yeah, for, not, for that not to be the case. I mean, it starts with ownership. It's been the same owners that have the same outlook the same on head coach, same head coaches. Yeah. I mean, there's less change here than any team in the league, except maybe New England. You know, I mean, yeah. I mean it's rare, and practices are run basically the same way, the same expectations. You know, so yeah, it is different. I mean, I'm sure everyone that goes to Arizona and Chicago and et cetera, et cetera, say, yeah, this is different than I'm used to, and it is. I mean, none of them are yeah. carbon copies of themselves, but I do think. The Steelers, as much as any, is an eye-opening experience for a new guy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I that's been in the league. Larry, I mean, any rookie. As Larry Ogunjobi walks off here, I, I can remember talking to him about that late last year. Um, you know, mm-hmm. just how the, the different feel here. Yeah, and he I mean, played against the team a in lot. Cincinnati, where they didn't even have a. You know, there's no practice. There's no indoor practice for mm-hmm. things of that nature. Yeah, but yeah. It's just different. Yeah. And there's some teams that spend more. There's some that spend less. It's, I don't think it's all about facilities and yeah. that type of thing either. But I think there is a there's a culture. I mean, there's that goes without saying. Yeah, and, and I think the the head coaching stability has a big part of that as Huge. well. I that, mean, you know what you know exactly what to expect day to day. I mean, in the last five years, how many new guys have you talked to? And it happened last week with Patrick Peterson that one of their first things they mention is. Why well, I was really interested to play for Coach Tomlin. Yeah, I mean he's a great recruiting tool. Yeah, I mean he has a phenomenal reputation that's well earned, and players respect him. I mean they don't even have to be their buddies, but they respect him. You know, right? There's just that. that you know, I've, I can remember watching him on the sidelines mm-hmm. and seeing how into the game he was. Yeah, you know he's going to shoot me straight. Yeah, you know, he's not going to 
be underhanded in any way. He communicates extremely well with players, media, everybody. I mean, I think my, that might even be his greatest strength. So. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I think, you know, I think some of that, the interesting thing is that, you know, in previous years, again, this, the Steelers weren't super active on the free agent market. Right, right. But they've been able to do that the last two years, and mm-hmm. so you, you get to see a little bit more of that recruiting part of this. I'm interested, too. I mean, let's say Pickett has a good year. I mean, takes a step forward, yeah. a, a clear step forward that no one could deny. I would think this would be a really attractive landing spot next offseason, you know, next right. free agency period, too. You know, if you want, maybe you only want two or three skies, but there's three or four people interested for each spot. You yeah, know, you know, and, that, and I'm not going to say on the rise, they take you know? a little less money, but you're you're a more attractive landing spot mm-hmm. if the money's close. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. If teams, if, if players think you're, you have a chance to win, and when you've got the ownership, the head coach, and the quarterback in mm-hmm. place. Right, right. It's a pretty know. good start. Yeah. No question about it. And you have money to spend. Well, and money to spend. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, they've had, they've had ownership, coach, quarterback for 20 years, but didn't always have the money to spend. Right. I mean, a lot of those <laughs> right. years you were right up against it. I, yeah. You know, somebody talking about that on the social media. Today. Well, Omar Khan's just killing this offseason. Uh, it's so much, is. Great. so much different than what Kevin Colbert, you know, did. I'm like, mm-hmm. Kevin Colbert spent 18 of his years, about well, about 15 of those years, with a court with a, a losing a, the Javon Hargraves, a very right, high right, priced right. quarterback, and oh by the way, went through a couple of, of different seasons there, where the salary cap actually went down. About that too, and I mean, it wouldn't matter who your GM is, but I guarantee most of Kevin's years here and most of Ben's years here, more importantly, they lost more in free agency than they gained. Yeah. I mean, almost every year. Almost. I mean, yeah. How could you not? I mean, it's just that's just you're developing talent well, yeah. and people are going to pay for it, and you can't keep everything. And and I'm not giving Omar a hard time. I mean, I, I think he's had a phenomenal off season, and he, and it's not a single man's job either. I mean, several people are, are you know responsible for that. But when you're picking 27, 28 every year because you're deep into the playoffs, like Kevin's teams were, it's hard to grab the Broderick Joneses. There's a reason they didn't draft a tackle in the first round since Jermaine Stevens. Right, yeah. I mean, picking late. When your average draft pick is 24, <laughs> right, you're getting, right. the, you know, at best a number five offensive tackle prospect. Right, right, right. I mean, yeah. it's hard to trade up to Same thing 10, at the cornerback position when people talk about the cornerback position. When right, you're getting right, right. The, you, you know, can get the, the number one guard, but you get the number five tackle. Right. Yeah, right. It's a difference in what you can get there. Sure, sure. I mean, or Pouncey or a guy like that, yeah. you know, the top center. So you take you take what you can get, mm-hmm. you know, and you live with what you have yeah. and ta- tackle, and I mean, you try to help them the best you can. You know, you get fortunate that you get a Cam Hayward or a TJ mm-hmm. Watt. Yeah, I mean, they were the, you know, late first, late, late first, late guys, first right. round guys who you know Putting were together Hall of Fame career, you know, yeah. Hall of Fame resumes. That's that speaks volumes to me. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, and everybody's gonna have their misses. I mean, it's yeah. just drafted imperfect science, but but when you hit like that. I mean, that's a big hit. Yeah. I mean, you're happy to hit a double, but when you can hit a leadoff homer, like, wow. You know, yeah, I mean, picking no where you're picking at, that's yep. very difficult to do. It is. It is. Not looking promising for a guest, but who knows. It is not. We'll see what happens there's here. There's still a lot of people on the field, though. Yeah, there are. Well, again, it is alumni day today, so there's a lot of uh, former players out here. Mm-hmm. Guys, with That's cool that they do that, too. And, talking about culture and tradition and things yeah. like that, it's cool that they do that. And, you know, camp is – even a more of a reflection of that, they always bring it. Always, yeah. At least one around, you know, every I'm day. A, I don't know about you, Matt, but I'm. I was looking forward to camp last year because we were going back to to St. Vincent College. I think right. I'm looking forward to it more this year. I think I'm looking forward more to the football this year. Yeah. I mean, our off the field uh, <laughs> endeavors <laughs> are going to be just as good any year. I have a feeling. Yeah. But 
I, I think the the camp battles, um, you know, last year was all, all about the quarterback, which isn't is fine. But I mean, we now I'd rather know who the quarterback is than talk about right. who the quarterback's going to be. It got a little redundant. Just you a know? different feel. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and there'll be. I'm, I'm interested who this year's Jalen Warren is too. Like, who's the guy we're not talking about that we're not projecting to make the roster that a weekend goes wow. I, I like that guy. Or, yeah, you know, right. I mean, there's going to be two or three of them, too. And this roster is going to be harder to make, I think, than Jalen Warren's was. You there know, is rookie. no doubt about that. I mean, I, I look at this uh, this roster. And They're going to cut good players. It is as deep as I can recall yeah. um, in quite some time. It really is. I mean, I think that's inarguable. I mean, there, yeah. there's little doubt about that. One of the players we were trying to get here is Braden Fajoko, mm-hmm. uh, the new nose tackle. And he is still over there running, so I don't. Oh, think maybe we got a chance. We got a shot at getting him here. We'll see. Um, looking to see if uh, Michael Birch, the uh, PR, he's still over there. So you can a duck out either way if you want. There's though. a chance. So yeah. we'll see. He's he's over there. A lot of guys out here doing conditions. I'd say more than I think any of the OTA practices so far. Of yeah. When the final buzzer rings and they they huddle up, uh, more guys have stuck around I think than any other day that I can remember. Yeah. Quarter, like quarterbacks out there still throwing with uh, receivers and running backs and 30 players out as there. usual the offensive line is still over there working um, that's been a unit that does puts in the extra work time yeah. and time again you know just technique stuff you know work on your pass sets you know little things like that yeah. hand placement I've, I've, I've certainly seen Salamalu coaching guys up on the side too you know I mean obviously the line coaches are out there too but you know I, I think people do ask his opinions yeah no that, that's a group that mm-hmm. um, you know, the, including the first round pick, by the way, he's yeah. been putting the time in after practice. They every certainly step put of the, the time in, and yeah. not that the other guys who who have gone off the field aren't putting time. Yeah, that doesn't in. mean that they're oh they're lazy. But that that unit as a whole just stays out there as a group and just more grinds. than more than the other. Yeah, yeah. I, I think so. And there's some competition there too. I mean, there's again, there's players that easily would have made this team last year aren't as safe. Yeah, no, <laughs> you know no doubt I mean? about that. Yeah. No doubt Especially about that. Especially at that position. I mean, the depth was really questionable last year, and now the depth is enviable. Yeah. Um, there's I'm not sure there's many leagues, many lines in the league that have as many NFL players at their OTAs on the offensive line right now. If you now. remember a few years ago, the Bills did that. Oh, yeah. Where they, they went out and they signed. They got like six or seven. They went out and signed a bunch of guys, and mm-hmm. then at the end of their camp, traded a couple of those, including the guy who ended up in the Yeah, Cleveland. Wyatt Teller ended, Wyatt up, Teller ended, up, ended up, up keeping the wrong guys. Yeah. And that kind of worked. I mean, th- their line needed a lot of work. They, none of those guys were high-priced free agents. Uh, Mitch Morse was their biggest guy. We talked about him in the first segment as a center. Um, they threw a bunch of stuff at the wall of NFL players but not stars Yeah, to at least have something to build on. And I guess it worked, but the logical progression for them would have been and then you draft over those dudes. Right. They, they really kind of haven't. They do that. Yeah, 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 yeah. The line's been kind of stagnant. And I know they're unhappy with it up there right now, you know, how the line played last year. But that is a way that they – I mean, they they threw a bunch of guys at the mm-hmm. wall yeah. and, you know, see, just looked at what stuck. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, again, they did make a mistake with, with Teller. Right. We but assume. he was young. And we, I mean, we don't right, know right. that he would have developed that way in Buffalo. The right. way, you know, right, different right. offense, different styles. And I think he was like a fifth-round pick that they just yeah. didn't have room for, you know. So, I mean, that, that kind of stuff happens. Um, but but that was an interesting strategy. I mean, it was like we got a young quarterback. Our line's pretty rough. Let's just buy a bunch of free agents and see who you know see how it shakes out. Yeah. And it worked fine. It was I okay. see some similarities there with what the Steelers have done here. Mm-hmm. Not in the, the, Some of the guys that they signed weren't – I mean, 
the Raven Clark was signed as a depth piece. Right, right, right. You know, he wasn't signed to start. Herbig was signed as a depth piece. He wasn't signed they to signed start. They signed a lot of Herbigs. Yeah. The Bills did that. The Bills yeah, signed yeah, a yeah. bunch of them. Like yeah, six they did. Them. They did. They did. And, again, it was mixed results, but I had never seen that strategy before at that position. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. We'll it see is. if it works. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. But I'm excited about this O-line. Yeah. Um, still waiting to see here. We're going to take a break. We might as well because yeah. if he's going to sit down with him, we'll let's, cut him short. Let's do that. Uh, he is Matt Williamson. I am Dale Lally. You're listening to a special edition of The Drive here on Steelers Nation Radio and ESPN 970. Uh, we are live from the Steelers OTA sessions here on the south side, and uh, they just wrapped up uh, practice session number seven. Uh, we are here again uh, Wednesday and Thursday of yeah, this week. Yeah, we'll be here next two days, yeah. And then uh, it'll be time for uh, minicamp. Yeah, we'll the following on, week after on that. On that and three days of that, and then it's off to uh, off to St. Vincent College in a month or so. So, Going quick. Going What's happening? Very fast. Uh, it's happening fast. It's all happening right here on ESPN 970 and Steelers Nation Radio. We'll be back with more right after this. Welcome back to a special edition of The Drive, live from Steelers OTAs on the south side. Got a little bit more special, too. Oh, we just stepped it up a notch. Jumping in, Tom Opperman in for Dale Lawley. Dale scram back into the locker room to, you know, do the important stuff. Yeah, actually, do his job, Actually man. talk to the people that matter. Exactly. Do, <laughs> do what he actually gets paid for. Instead of goofing off with me. So I'll there. sit out here and goof off with you for the next half hour. And Matt, OTA Day 7 wrapping up, like you and Dale were just yeah. talking about. The offseason schedule's moving along pretty quickly. I want to skip ahead towards the season a little bit. Yeah, let's go. I, I'm, I'm sure you've picked up on this, but the AFC is pretty loaded this Oh, year. man. I mean, that's my biggest concern with the season is just who you're fighting with for playoff spots and AFC Championship and stuff like that to get to. I okay, mean, well, let brutal. me give you a little yeah. silver lining then, a little okay. glass half full. Although it's brutal, the Steelers' schedule really broke favorably for them, and a lot of those other AFC teams are going to have to be in those dogfights like you were kind of alluding to where they're just right. going to beat the hell out of each other. A team like the Steelers that, you know, finished third last year in their division plays, I don't want to say an easy schedule, but compared to last year, it is easy. As it looks today on, you know, the beginning of June, it's an easy schedule. Like outside of their division, who's the best quarterback? Lawrence, right? Yeah. That, yeah that's yeah, it. Right, right, and right. he's, I don't, I'm not necessarily ready to anoint him as a finished product yet either. No, I, but I mean, I think he's a top 10 guy. I, I do Trending too. in the right direction. But, but if, if that, you only have one of those outside of division. That's your biggest problem outside right. of the division. Yeah, you've got something going for you. So what, what I think about with there is that, the Steelers are better as a team than their schedule would dictate they are. Like, they're playing teams that they're much better than, I think, because they've improved so much from last year, and they're mm-hmm. such a young and upcoming team. Yeah. They can really take advantage. I'm not saying they're going to win the division, beat sure. out the Bengals. But right. they could sneak a six or a seven seed out of this with other teams beating themselves up and them taking advantage of kind of the weaker slate that they have. So this time – the last couple of years, just per, you know, you never know what's going to happen. I mean, Lawrence may not even play in that game. I mean, we know that the, the season's going to change. I mean, predicting what's going to happen, and we don't have crystal balls. But sitting here in June of 2022, 21, 20, they were projected to have like the hardest schedule in the league, and now it's one of the easier. As is, again, things are going to change. But what's remarkable is kind of what you were getting at is. You know six of those games every year are the same, and they're hard. I mean, that's a difficult division. Any way you cut it, there's no weak links, and there may be a Super Bowl champ in there. Who knows? And any of those four, I think, could compete for you know the best of titles. Right. But you also are going to play an AFC division every year, too. And considering the division and conference you're in, 
their schedule of opponents isn't bad. Nope. You, I mean, like the AFC East, I mean, you, you didn't single out the East, but you talked about teams beating each other up. The AFC East not only has – every one of those has six difficult division games, but they play the NFC East, which Washington and Giants aren't powerhouses, but they're probably dogs against the Browns or against the Cowboys, Cowboys and, and Eagles. Eagles or at least close to it. And, and they if you play go to New York, I mean, I'm not, I'm not thrilled no. with playing the Giants. And I don't think Washington's a throwaway. No, I, mean, I don't either. I mean, there's some teams on the Steelers' schedule that could be fighting for the first overall pick. And you I don't know, think like, Washington's one of them. I don't yeah. think Washington and the Giants is one of them. And then the other division the AFC East plays is the N- or is the AFC West. So the Raiders don't look strong, but you get they all get the Chiefs. They all get the, uh, you know, the, the Chargers. I mean, there's no throwaway games there either. And you mentioned the Jags. I think what's interesting, too, is – the four first-place teams in the AFC, maybe the Jags aside, but the Chiefs play the Bills, who play the Bengals. Yeah, There's right, a round-robin tournament against there. I mean, what if they all go one-and-one one against each other, Bills, Bengals, Chiefs? You know, so there's a lot of losses for the other AFC teams oh, yeah. that are, you know, pretty foreseeable. You get Burrow and Lamar, if health permits, twice, like we said, mm-hmm. but you're missing Allen, you're missing Mahomes, right. you're missing on Herbert, you're missing on Rodgers. Right. I mean, if Tua's healthy, you're missing on Tua. I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. you're really starting to work your way down the list when it comes to the AFC and quarterbacks that you're going to have to face this year. And so. some of the ones you do face are, I mean, rookies, unproven, you know, love, uh, guys like that, too, that you just don't know what you're going to get. And maybe one of those is better than expected, but most will probably be worse than expected because they don't have much experience. And you don't expect Purdy to be ready week one, most and likely. And if he is, I don't care, to yeah. be honest. But that is a, a – that's the other thing I wanted to mention when you mentioned the schedule is we knew a month ago or whatever what teams they were going to play and where. We didn't know when. Yeah. But when Dale and I were talking about this, like, boy, I want to play the Niners as soon as possible. Get them in week one is the best. You best know? Scenario, <laughs> best I, I mean, if Purdy does play, will he have any preseason snaps at that point? And Probably you know not. what? I mean, not to get on a tangent here, but I'm sure you're right with me on getting a little bit of sick of that Purdy talk and how he oh, seems to just be a little bit. incredibly overrated. He's anointed already as the Niners' starting quarterback, mm-hmm. and I know Trey Lance has not done anything to warrant him being even in the conversation, but I would still put him in that conversation if I was the 49ers. Like, right. There's not, and it's not, you know, because I think Trey Lance can still be something. I just don't think Brock Purdy has, you know, blown your doors off right now. It's bizarre yeah. to me to see some people nationally, you know, put him up in like top 15 sometimes when it I comes know. to the quarterbacks. To and me. for the Niners to kind of, at least on the surface, seem pretty comfortable with him moving forward, I think that could be a pretty big mistake. I mean, that team has had such a Super Bowl ready roster for yeah. four or five years now. And that most important position has just eluded them. If they hitch their wagon to this guy, it might be their biggest mistake. I know. I, I think it's interesting. And I don't love how Shanahan's handled quarterbacks since he's been there. I yeah. think he's a phenomenal offensive mind, but the quarterback things are weird. I do believe that there was truth to the rumors that he wanted Mac Jones and they talked him into Trey Lance. Because I do think what he wants is he wants a joystick you know he wants to be the game and he just wants someone that'll run it exactly the way he sees the game and purdy does that well you know that he he runs the offense as drawn up exactly he's a quick processor and i'm with you i think he's maybe the most overrated quarterback in the league already but you can't argue with the results and what he did when he was inserted in there and i it's a weird quarterback dilemma but I think he has such limited upside, and he had a bad arm to start, and now he's coming off for arm surgery. Yes. You know what I mean? So 
I don't know. I mean, it's two different worlds, but I've been asked this a thousand times since the end of the season. What if you swapped Purdy and Pickett? Who's better? I'm like, I don't think it's close. I mean, Pickett in that system as a rookie would have been better than Purdy. I mean, in no doubt in my mind. And Purdy here would have struggled more than Pickett. I mean, I just believe that to be true. No, I, I tend to agree with you on that mm -hmm. as well. And what they were asked I, to do as rookies. If Shanahan could choose, he would pick Pickett. You know, I, 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 just, I have a feeling would. he would. Yeah, I think every GM in the league would. Uh, there's just no – there's nothing, There's a reason why he was Mr. Irrelevant. There's yeah, just nothing yeah, yeah. there that really pops. Now, maybe no. he can, you know, overcome all of the odds and mm -hmm. – be the hardest worker that you've ever seen and, and despite not having all the physical gifts work yeah. himself into a great NFL quarterback I don't think that's going to happen I don't, I, so I don't see him as that kind of player so mm -hmm. with the Niners you know not only is the quarterback thing going for you in week one mm -hmm. one o'clock game for a West Coast team yeah, it's that's a good point, too. For them. It is 9 a.m. cross country. start their season off against the Steelers. So. And I'm sure the Steelers stadium will be, will be hopping. A no question about it. First right, home game right. in, like, what, eight years that they've had yeah. at Heinz Field or at Akershore Stadium, excuse me. So, but yeah. I do think playing them early is an advantage. So AFC, daunting for sure. Oh, yeah. But I think the Steelers can kind of, you know, lurk in the shadows a little bit, and then you might look up at the end of the year and say, Wow, they're ten and seven, and they're the sixth seed. Yeah, I mean, as opposed to other AFC contenders, I think there's less white water to navigate yes. for the Steelers, just as the schedule stands now, than the Bills are going to deal with the Jets. I mean, like look at the Jets in Miami schedule; it's brutal. It's brutal, right? Patriots schedule is awful. Like you said, though, you don't really know what's going to happen. Of Lawrence course, Lawrence could get hurt. Murray could turn it around. Is there a guy outside of the division that maybe like a, I don't know, Green Bay, Jordan Love ends up being somebody that would make that I mean, game maybe. a little bit more? And I'm asking you to put on your Nostradamus hat here and kind yeah. of predict something. Did you see anybody that could maybe take that step and all of a sudden, you know, when I mean, we I get to October, we're like, oh, that's actually a tougher game than we thought in May. The Colts. Yeah. I mean. You Rick Richardson guy, you think? I just think he's going to be hard to play against as a rookie. Okay. You know, I mean, especially when you do, when you have a you know week to prepare for him. They're going to play differently. I'm not predicting that he's going to be a superstar. I just think that, you know, Justin Fields is hard to play against right now. You know, I mean, in, in that fashion. I see what you mean. And that's not a terrible roster. And it's either. not a terrible roster either. I mean, dealing with Jonathan Taylor and Richardson could be a tough tougher game than it looks. A ton I of mean, injuries last year for them. Yeah, too, yeah. Defensively. I mean, uh, I Jonathan think they Taylor. could win eight games this year and be hard to play against. And Richardson might be in Offensive Rookie of the Year conversations. You know what I mean? Like, I don't see that for Stroud or Bryce Young. I mean, I think those guys are going to take their lumps and – not have instant success, whether it's normal quarterback stuff or not. The other one, and this is so down the road, New Year's Eve game against the Seahawks in Seattle. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is more just, you know, curiosity from a fan's perspective of the National Football League. But is Geno Smith going to be able to duplicate what he did last year? Because if he does, yeah, I talk about that a lot. You like, could make the argument that he's there with Trevor Lawrence as far as best quarterback yeah. outside of the division that they have to it's play a good point. this year. And they have weapons. And but I trust Trevor Lawrence to continue on his path more than I trust Geno Smith to continue on his right now. I 100% agree. And hey, he's an easy guy to root for. I like those guys. I love that, it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, reinvented his career. You know, came out of nowhere after being a kind of a high pedigree guy and, and reestablished himself. Yeah. But Dale and I bring that up a lot. I mean, his second half of the season wasn't nearly as good as the first half of the season. And mm. he's an aggressive passer. He's not just a, a game manager type. I mean, and but they're going to be a run first, dude. His best attribute is deep ball. I yeah, mean, he's yeah, got yeah, a yeah. Beautiful deep accuracy. And they love him, and he's a great locker room guy. And yeah. you know, they didn't do anything else to the quarterback position when they could have. You know, they could have drafted somebody or grabbed the Levis or somebody. I like thought that. they might kick the tires on a, a Hendon Hooker. I mm -hmm. thought they I might be, be one of the teams spot that you know, yeah. just a year off behind yep. Geno Smith. 
That'd be pretty much doing the same thing, but in Detroit behind Jared Goff. Exactly. Now. And they both had extra first-round picks, those two teams. Um, but overall, I mean, he could be a very average player. And I kind of am predicting that with Geno. I don't think he's going to be a top-ten quarterback this year. Yeah, I tend to agree that you know, might be coming back to – turning back to a pumpkin again this year for Geno Smith. Yeah, um, or just fine. You know what I mean? Do you think that then Seattle might regret not moving on a handed hooker? Because I think they'll – I mean, in the NFC, I bet they go to the playoffs. So, they can have another opportunity to go grab a hooker or a Levis or a guy like that. Right. Or, you like know. They're, they're going to be stuck in that kind of purgatory mm-hmm. where they're going to go 9-8. and eight. 10 they may seven, have missed their chance to get in to the right, playoffs. Right, right. Eight and nine, just missed the playoffs. Be picking like fifteenth, sixteenth in the draft. Mm-hmm. So yeah, maybe they did miss their big opportunity there to get their guy moving forward. But I feel like you know that, ha- that happens to a lot of franchises where quarterbacks just kind of get you stuck. Mm-hmm. You know, they play just good enough where yeah, do I take that risk and go with the young unproven rookie, or do I yep. try to sign this guy who's a little bit better than mediocre and hope he gets a little bit better than that even? I mean, the Steelers are going to have to deal with this. Every team deals Every with it. Every team I mean, deals with in it. In four Bengals years and from Dalton now. come to mind. Right. You know? I mean, I it's – Gino with the Seahawks just now. It's yeah. It's just – they – Kirk uh, Cousins is like the poster child for that. It's like, is I mean, he it, good enough? I think so. Uh, I don't want to risk moving on, though. Right. I mean, the Giants didn't pick up Daniel Jones' fifth-year option a year ago. Then they had to sign him. They had to know? sign like, him, yeah. I mean, you – ho- you, I think you agree he's not worth that money. I don't. I mean, he had to get it, but it's right, not right. worth I, it. I mean, I don't know what else they would have done there. They kind of hamstrung themselves right, a little exactly. bit, too. Um, I think he's better than people think, but he's not the end. I mean, he's not a star. I mean, and that's why I brought Pickett is you hope by that time, boy, he's a no-brainer Joe Burrow, Herbert, extended guy, you know. But there's a better chance than not, and I'm not even picking on Pickett. It's just it's the same true as all the first-rounders, Bryce Young, you know, Stroud. Chances are when contract time comes around, it's going to be like, yeah, we like him. Is he the next Ben? Yes. Is he an elite guy? Because there's only five of them on the planet, <laughs> you know. Well, the, and then what's that worth? The host of the show that I usually produce, Mark Madden. I'm sure, mm-hmm. you've heard of him. People listening have probably heard sure. of him once or twice. He might have even brought this up to you when you were on the show during one of your hits, Matt. But one of the more radical things that I think he or takes that he has is his quarterbacks take, where he would draft a quarterback every four or five years early. I don't disagree. And then. If you hit on one of the five, you just have to the Allens, the right, Burrows, right, right, right. then you sign him for the big time. He's mm-hmm. here for the next 20 years kind of contract. If they're not that, if they get to just say a Kirk Cousins, a Derek Carr, as tough as it might be, you rip the Band-Aid off, you let him walk, you draft another quarterback with your first pick. Yep. No, I think there's a lot of logic to that. I mean, frankly, if the Steelers use a second-round pick on a quarterback next year, even if Kenny has a good year, I can defend it. I mean, it's the Jalen Hurts Wentz conversation. When, when they drafted, when they drafted Hurts, Wentz looked like the answer. He looked like a burrow. He, he looked he was like going a, MVP that year. right. Yeah. He was, you know, on the pace to being one of the best. I mean, it, there's a theory out there. The Packers did this with Favre and Rogers years. Even the Patriots in the Brady years draft one every year. Not like Mark's talking about in the top two, three rounds and during the first round. But you might end up with the next Dak Prescott. You know, like. Keep churning that position is a good idea. If you're comfortable where you're at in the fifth round, mm-hmm. you feel like you filled a lot of pressing needs, and you can do the luxury pick. Mm-hmm. Maybe take the luxury pick on the best quarterback available. Yeah, today. someone that has a lot of upside but has a lot of work to do. I mean, I would never condemn a team for doing that. No, see, I I tend to agree with him and you as well. Where it would definitely be bold, people would not like it for no, sure. Right, you'd, be, right. you'd be bucking trends like crazy, but I think that you could definitely. 
It also makes financial a, sense. Right. You right. can get around those checkmate scenarios that the cousins in the cars get you in where mm-hmm. they're just good enough that it gives you cold feet trying to move on because, you know, the devil you know is better than the devil you mm-hmm. don't know. And if you have two good ones, maybe you trade one for a future pick or whatever, too. You know, like during the Favre era, they drafted Mark Brunel, Hasselbeck. I mean, a lot of dudes that went on to have really good careers, right. you know. Look at the, the Washington football team. I mean, they draft RG3 with their big pick. They take Kirk Cousins in, like, the third round, that same exact draft. Same draft. He ends up becoming the guy. So Mm -hmm. it's the most important position on the field. The only wrench in it is it's hard. It's easy for us to sit here and say it, but when you get to a situation like this or training camp, how do I get everyone the reps? You know, like – Kenny needs to – got to get him you – know, that was a problem last year. How did, I think Tomlin did a great job, but how do you balance getting Trubisky ready for week one while your first-round pick gets as many reps as possible? And, oh, by the way, Mason Rudolph's pretty decent. You know, yeah, right. you know like, so it, it's a wonderful theory, and I do – I'm in that camp more often than not, unless you have a Mahomes or somebody like that. But it's not always easy to balance it all within the quarterback room, and if you're only going to keep three as well. He's Matt Williamson. I'm Tom Offerman. Jumped in for Dale Lawley here on a special edition of The Drive from OTAs. We'll be back. We'll wrap things up. I think Dale is back in the saddle again after a quick soiree in the locker room. So we'll wrap things up, have our final segment of the day coming up next. You're listening to Steelers Nation Radio and ESPN Pittsburgh. Welcome back to The Drive. I am Dale Lally. He is Matt Williamson. And, uh, well, we are live here at the UPMC Rooney Sports Complex here in the south side. The Steelers just wrapped up OTA session number seven. I jumped into the locker room there real quick to uh, yeah. have a chat with somebody. And Thanks for up, Tom for filling in. Yeah, thank you to Tom Offerman for that. And I ended up chatting with uh, Anthony McFarlane, Matt. Interesting stage of his career. Very interesting. Yeah. Uh, coming Going into year three. Yeah. Um, hasn't been active a whole bunch and i and i, I asked him i mean i said you know or actually entering year four now, yeah I'm saying it's put up or shut up time it is right? really put up or shut up time so if you look at what he's done uh over the course of his career uh he's appeared in 14 games mm-hmm. uh, 42 carries for 146 yards that's a 3.5 yard per carry average um 12 targets nine catches for 76 yards that's an 8.4 yards per catch average uh but what I asked him about was that one game that he appeared in last year because uh, he was on the practice squad for, for most of last year. Um, but he came, uh, I think it was Benny Snell. No, Jalen Warren was hurt that game, mm. if I remember correctly. I think you're right, now. And mm-hmm. he, he, got the, he was brought up. And when they brought him up, they didn't just bring him up and use him as a, you know, you just stand, go stand on the sideline. These other guys are going to handle it. No, he played, right? He had nine touches that game. Yeah, yeah. I think nine touches. I'm sorry, eight touches. And produced they had six carries for 30 yards and two catches for another 11 yards. And I asked him about that, and he said it really gave him – he said, I don't want to say that my confidence was wavering at all, but mm-hmm. it was a big boost for my confidence that – Being an active has got to be tough. Being, being an active is very difficult when you're, you know, a guy that's used to playing a lot. And but going out there and producing and producing well in a situation like that, and it, I mean, it's it's like being a spot starter in Major League Baseball. Like, yeah, you better take advantage. They're calling of you, calling you up. They hey, you're going to start this game, and then we're going to send you back. We know that's. A, but we need a good start. We need five good innings out of you. Yeah, and guys like you and I are sitting here talking about that it was a quality performance, not like ah, I forgot all about it and do anything. They didn't yeah. give him the ball. So a couple things with him is 
it really hurts his case that, first of all, kickoff returners hardly matter in the league anymore, yeah. and he's good at that. But that's not enough to keep you active on game day from a special teams perspective from where he sits. You know, Benny Snell is a quality special team, yeah. you know, that is out there for getting his jersey dirty time and time again. And I do think it speaks to – I think the Steelers are really happy with their top two backs. And the more homework I've done on Warren and studying them postseason, I think he's an unbelievable find. You know, so they're really set with the top two. So your third guy almost has to contribute on special teams and be a quality one. So I think that hurts McFarland's cause. And I also think early in his career, which is often the case with highly talented backs, and he's one of them. I mean, he was uh, – I think he was right there with J.K. Dobbins as the most highly recruited running back yeah. in the country when he came out of high school. Is you can kind of get away with some bad habits. I mean, Saquon Barkley has really bad habits, just trying to break, break the big one and be the – the best athlete on the field, and I can dance a little bit and make this linebacker miss. Well, you can't do that here, you no. know. And I think he's certainly in camp and preseason last year started to show that he was really starting to get it from an NFL perspective of this is what I can do. If it's a four-yard run, if I get five out of it, good, you know. Yeah, I think he has a much better understanding. Yeah. He's not even 24 years old yet. I know. And like, running backs get washed away quick, though, if you don't get that opportunity. I mean, so I worry about them. You know, is that an asset that the Steelers could use that's hard to employ? You know what I mean? Yeah. Or maybe he's that guy in camp where it's like, we got to get him on the field. I, you know, he has I, that ability. To your point about the special team stuff, I mm-hmm. asked him if he's been lobbying uh, Danny Smith to, to get out there and do more mm-hmm. special team stuff. He goes, absolutely. He says, I, I understand that. You know, he knows that you know he's replacing Benny Snell basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If he's going to make this roster, he said, "If I want to, if I want to be here, um, you know, I got to understand my role and I got to be out there on special teams. Mm-hmm. Like even if you're not the number one guy, you better at least be number two. I'm talking about a special team on it's certain, you know, different yeah, things. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Are they going to? Yeah, they're right. going to use him as a gunner. Well, maybe not. But he's kind of an odd fit on special teams yeah. too. I mean, he's not a corner like gunner type guy. You know, he's not as big and thick as Snell. You know, for some things, yeah. as a blocker and th- stuff like that. Um, in a way, for him to really be to showcase his, his talents, he might need an injury of one of the two guys ahead of him. And I mean, I don't think I'm I'm not rooting for that, of course, but. Backs get hurt all the time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. not a position that durability is a, a staple for. No, absolutely not. But, uh, you know. I don't know about you, but I would be more comfortable even last year if you didn't have Harris or Warren giving the ball to McFarland than Snell. Yes. You know what I mean? He, he's he's more scary. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's a, he's a better – that's the problem, you know, when when you're a great – when you have that kind of speed and you were a, an outstanding ball carrier mm-hmm. as he was at Maryland – you never asked to play special teams. No, of course not. They're not putting him out there on that stuff. Like no. he's their he's their premier ball carrier. Now, in Benny Snell's case, it was the same thing. And I give him was, all the credit in the world. But he was a different style of, of running back. He's a more physical guy than McFarland. Too. Yeah, you know, if I'm your, if I'm blocking on punt team or kickoff return team, I want Snell doing it more than McFarland. But I don't think McFarland's a Dree Archer either. I mean, he's, no, he's not that. No. He's Way bigger than Dream. I mean, I think he could handle 10 carries a game for 17 games. Yeah. You know, there are certain, I mean, there, there are certain teams guy. out there that would use him like crazy. I would think. I would think, you know, but they're, they're also not a shortage of those, of 
players at his position right, either. Right, who are I mean, that size. I mean, we saw he's in a bit of a 20 of them too. in this year's draft. Yeah, that are similar. You know, yeah. I mean, and the, the difference is, I mean, when you start looking at, at Anthony McFarlane's, uh, you know, his the thing that he had, the thing that he brings uh, is speed. Mm-hmm. Um, just looking up his combine. But this this offense does need more explosives. They need more big playability. But you got to sit Warren or Najee to get them out there too. That's and a problem. What situation yeah. is that going to work? You know, what situation is that advantageous? I mean, it's he's in a tough spot. He's going to have to do something exceptional. Yeah, he can't just be the same at this point. He was a four-four-four guy at the at the combine mm-hmm. when he came out. Um, but what did he weigh? If if you're still looking at it, uh, I think he's. Noticeably, we listed him at the like, combine at 208 pounds. I was gonna guess 205. Yeah. So, okay. So he's, he, I mean, he's, and he said he's actually leaned down a little bit, but he's gotten, it's more. He's replaced. He's kind of changed his body a little bit mm-hmm. in terms of you know, the muscle mass. I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, and he said he's, you know, he's just trying to continue to to change that because, you know, what's what's happened the first three years, it hasn't worked. So it's funny, about an hour or so ago, you mentioned how you're looking forward to camp, and we always have a good time at camp, and I'm always looking forward to camp anyway. But I do think there's a handful of Steelers that are a little bit out of sight, out of mind, and if one of them can be the topic of conversation at the bars that night or over the over the uh, the month that we're there, guys like Kendrick Green, maybe Loudermilk's even in that mode now, Um McFarland for sure. Trey Norwood. Norwood's the other one that was on the tip of my tongue. I mean, there's about four or five of them that we've seen stuff from. I don't think, for the most part, you'd say those guys are terrible players. I know Green stint as a starter. None of them are guaranteed a spot on this on this team. Not even a little bit. And it's harder to make this team than last year's team by the looks of things. But if one of those four, you know, I'm sure there's three or four other names that are similar, go really grab our attention. Nice, you know. Yeah, right. Because those guys are teetering right now. Yeah, and I, I hate to say it, but you know, you, you still go back to that 2018 game for for uh, a guy like Anthony McFarland when he had runs of 75, 81, and 52 yards against Ohio guess State. That's what I say. Yeah, no, it, it's in him. I mean, yeah. it, he's capable. I, I think it's in Kendrick Green as well. I mean, and there's a I, lot I of think ability the, there. The one thing that we did see, and I can remember we talked about this last year at training camp from Anthony McFarland, and then we saw it in the preseason. He's not dancing like he, like the first no. two years. He was a little in, he, again looking for that home run all yep, the time. Yep, yep. To your point, no, I he's think hitting he, it. I think he understands now. Hey, get the ball and go. And I'm sure you remember this too. But I remember we broadcast from any new listeners. We broadcast from training camp much differently than we broadcast from here. We're, we talk about everything that's happening, this, yeah. and we even do some play by play things that is over our head, but fun, you know. And there was a lot of McFarland instances of him running wheel routes down the sideline, catching 30-yard passes against linebackers, things like that. Getting downfield as a receiver, not just screens and dump-offs. So that's some untapped potential there, yeah. too. If you can do that two or three times a game, if if they can utilize him and Calvin Austin in similar type yeah. roles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, okay, you know, if I'm, you know. You're both good jet motion guys. Yeah, you're going to jet motion that, you know, the, the fifth time in a row when you've run jet motion at full speed across the formation, you might need a blow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I talked about it at no end, but there are five skill guys on offense. Th- those puzzles are really fun to build, and I never build one with McFarlane, but he's a lot different than Najee and Warren, you yeah. know what I mean? I mean, you could add, you could put a lot of speed on the field. Well, there was times last year I can remember, you know, early in camp where, where they were putting uh, McFarland out there. Mm-hmm. In the slot, with oh, Najee Harris in the backfield. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then they discovered Jalen Warren. 
That's a thing. Nobody were, this time last year, no one's talking about Jalen Warren. No, absolutely not. Right, right. So and, it's, and that it's, was a find. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that running back room plays out. I mean, they're and there's going to be running back injuries. They're just yeah, are, you know, it just over I mean, the course of the year. That's the one thing, though. I think it gets overlooked with Najee Harris. Um, dependability, the availability. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the the one thing that you could talk about how you can go get running backs in any round and all that stuff. And point to the 49ers or point to this team or that team, sure. the, the Dolphins. There's a reason why they have like six of them. Oh, yeah. Because it's, they can't keep them they, healthy. They try to get three or four games out of them and then bring the next guy. In. Yeah. And that's hard to build around. And, I mean, I think it's pretty clear, and I think we, I don't think we're out of line saying it. Najee did not start last season close to being healthy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, he had a, a, a steel plate well, and in the, his And shoe, the line changed, you know. you know, as well. I mean, I think they got better as the season went on. Mm-hmm. And so everything kind of progressed. Yeah. I mean, at um, the end of camp, Najee was not working much. You right. Know? I mean, you know, right. He was gutting through it. Um, and just look how many touches he's had in his two years. I mean, there's something to be said for that, just the workhorse mentality, too. Yeah. And the ability to, I mean, again, I don't want to compare him to Le'Veon Bell, but he's, he's a good third down back. If they, mm-hmm. You know, I think they could use him more. I do, too. I do, too. But, but, but a, Warren's a really good receiver, too. Harris is really good in, in pass protection. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he does a lot of those things. He's a good short yardage back. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of things there that you look at and you go, yeah, but he's our best guy at that. He's our, he's our oh, best yeah. guy. You know, so you, 100% agree. You know, and one that, that's a position we've seen the most of just because running back drills are right here. Yeah. So that's a position I've seen the most reps of in practice. I love Warren. I'm really, really impressed with him. But when Najee hits the sled or goes through the gauntlet, it's different than everybody else. Yeah. And my sister could walk out and be like, I'll take him. <laughs> you know, like he looks the part, and he is a really put-together guy. And uh, he looks a little leaner. He looks a little quicker to me. But he's, I mean, he still hits that sled and, and the, the blocking drills and things like that harder than anybody else. He, he plays with more force. Yeah, oh, there's definitely right. force there. And, and the Steelers obviously value that kind of back. Oh, yeah. I mean, going back to Bettis and Franco, and, I mean, there's a history there, too. And this isn't Najee's fault, but how many – he's been in the league two years. How many fourth-quarter leads of seven or more has he been a part of? I bet it's pretty few. Not many, yeah. Yeah, and, and that's where he's really going to be. He hasn't been a chance to be the closer, which is really his best role. Yeah, he got to do it a little bit at times last year when they were up in some games. And- yeah. You know, but it wasn't like, oh, you're up 14, just go run the football here. Yeah, there, there aren't many of those situations. It's, it's you're up, you're up a, a score, or you're up six points or three points. And it's not three years ago when Bama's at LSU at a night game, and that's you're, not you're up seven yeah. points, and you're just dealing with him time and time again. That's not much fun. Yeah, no, I can't imagine that it would be. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, just an interesting running back room this mm-hmm. year. That all three guys. Like, you could look at Najee Harris and Jalen or uh, Benny Snell and say similar style of runners in terms yeah. of the power runners. They're not okay, they're not going to break off long runs, you know, consistently. Right, 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 they're right. going to punish you at the end of it. Yeah, agreed. Whereas now you look at it and it's you got Harris, and then the other two guys are, are really different than him. They are. I think Warren's more explosive, more long speed than I originally gave him credit for. And even as a receiver, as a downfield guy, um, and McFarland clearly is. I mean, yeah. he's going to win a race between those three without a doubt. Yeah. I mean, he's fast, and he's explosive too. Um, do you think there's any chance, injuries aside, they go get another? I mean, they're still looking 
I mean, there. three's a little light. Yeah. I mean, and, and if they and two's really light. Yeah. The other guy. I mean, they they, they do keep churning and bringing in running backs. Mm-hmm. You know, undrafted guys or what yeah. have you. Um, you're, Snell's you're, unemployed. You're always looking for those kind of guys. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if that position too, like. Three preseason games. Does Najee get any carries? I mean, no. less than five. I no. mean, maybe yeah. none. I don't know. You need to give any to Warren. <laughs> I mean, he will get some, but I don't. Some, but I don't think you, you wouldn't. You wouldn't want to give him a lot. So I mean, I don't again, want anywhere on tear on those two. I think. I think this is a big. I think it's McFarland and somebody question, else. question, yeah. question, question. Who's gonna get those other carries? I don't know who that guy is. And those guys are typically then the ones that all the fans like. You know, when Warren was lighting it up last year in the preseason. Sure, sure. Like we were talking about him. I don't know, three, four days into training camp. Oh, he stood out from the start. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he was. Just, Once they yeah. put the pads on, it was like, oh, that guy's. He's better than the other he looks undrafted rookies yeah. we're looking at here. Yeah. Um, Which didn't help McFarland. Then when the off. fans got a chance to see him, they're like, you know, because you're, you're ripping off runs in the preseason. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, that, yeah, that guy's pretty good. Now yeah. we know what you're talking about. But that's going to be a player to be named later. I mean, there's going to be somebody that we're not talking about, either that's on the team now or not, that's going to get a lot, of t- a lot of run in the preseason. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. I'm not. I don't know if Najee's even active. But a lot of times, you're just running to try to get out of those games. Well, yeah, yeah. And you, you do want to take a look at your offensive line, but that's the other. But thing he's gonna run behind it. good lines. You're gonna be running behind good lines, right? Yeah. With a good quarterback, right? I mean, with a, a guy that knows how to get in and out of the huddle, and you know, Boykins lined up out there, yeah. and Miller and guys you like that up too. With NFL dudes. Yeah, they're in a really good spot. If we play preseason DFS, grab the Steeler running back to be named <laughs> later, whoever that is. Yeah. Or you might want to grab Anthony McFarland. Or McFarland, right? Yeah. He's going to get some, you know, he probably he gets 20, a, he 25 be, carries in the preseason. Right. That could be for 150 yards. Yeah. In those circumstances. Absolutely. Some backup defenses and stuff. Absolutely. Matt, that's going to do it for the show. Another one today. in the books. Another one is Another in the Another beautiful books. day in the Berg, too, by Absolutely. the way. Absolutely. Yeah. This weather has been unbelievable. We got lucky on that. We yeah. have so far. Yeah, we haven't Knock frozen out here yet. I don't. I th- now that we're in June, I don't think. I don't gonna think freeze. freezing's going to happen. Yeah, I don't right. think that's going to happen to us. But that's no going rain, to do it. You know, right. Yeah. For our uh, OTA session number seven is in the books. Uh, so for my birthday boy partner here, <laughs> Matt Williamson, uh, that's why we brought Tom Offerman on, just to give Matt a birthday present that he didn't have to do a full two hours with me. <laughs> he, uh, he could do uh, some time with uh, with Tom Offerman uh, for CJ here on site, keeping us on the air as well. Uh, I am Dale Lally. We want to thank you for listening to this special edition of The Drive here from the UPMC Rooney Sports Complex. We'll be back again tomorrow. Same bad time, same bad station. Talk to you then. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.